0: Good afternoon, my Conscious Co-Creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are all here with me today. We've got a truly, truly special show in store for you today, and I will let you know why when I introduce my guest, Um, who I'll bring on in just a moment. But first, of course, we have our quotes of the day from Mike Dooley in the universe and from Abraham. Let's see uh, what they have in store for us today. I want to get through these so I can really introduce my guests soon. Okay. First, from the universe. You know those feelings of euphoria, excitement, and inspiration that send your spirit soaring? Well, they're just me and all the angels finally rushing through one of the many doors you've knocked upon down the hall and dancing into the light of your searching heart. They're us too, reminding you that there are still a few more, oh, and those feelings of depression, sadness, and powerlessness that make you feel like you're carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. They're us too, reminding you that there are still a few more doors to try. Let's get this party started. The universe. Uh, we love our quotes from Mike Dooley in the universe. Um, I think just trying to remind us today that all of the feelings that we have, whether they're euphoric, amazing, blissful, joyful, uh, astounding feelings that we just love, or whether they're the feelings of of, of pain and sadness and depression and and just all of those feelings that we typically associate with things that are not good, um, that regardless, they're all here to serve us. And indeed, this is something that when I am uh, coaching my clients, uh, that I really encourage people to try and take uh, an opportunity to not look at feelings as good or bad or positive or negative but just how we are feeling in a given moment. And that there's actually information, very valuable information in the given moment. And that when we're going through whatever we happen to be going through in life, if we're upset, if we're angry, if we're mad, if we're sad, there's real information there. There's a real opportunity there for us to learn about ourselves. And that ultimately, you know, some people call our feelings or emotions like our, well, emotions and feelings are two different things, but uh, the, the, these emotions are our internal guidance system. Uh, they're showing us things about ourselves in terms of either what's in alignment with ourselves or what's not in alignment, what serves us, what doesn't serve us, what we like, what we don't like. Uh, they're They're all not they're not something to shun and put away. And indeed, if we ignore our feelings, if we suppress our feelings, actually they say depression Depression is actually suppression of our feelings, uh, that, that, that never serves us. But if we can stay present and process our feelings and emotions and, and just, you know, we don't necessarily have to act on them, but be present to them, understand them, and look at them as some kind of guidance uh, that that w- is really the, how they can serve us. So a very good uh, quote from the universe. Oops, I used that word. A wonderful quote from the universe. Uh, a, a very informational quote from the universe. Thank you, universe. Okay, let's see what Abraham has in store for us today. Physical experience is the leading edge of thought, the furthest extension of that thought You are not at the beginning. You are here at the leading edge, living the manifestation of thought. And as you expose yourself to the contrast within the manifestation, you don new desires, which then summons the life force. Abraham. So uh, I I think, and and these two quotes, again, they're just today's quotes that came in my inbox, very much in alignment. Um, Abraham here is talking about how you know, sometimes we feel that our, our thought is is sort of the future of things. And in a way it is. It lines up what we experience and how we're being in life. And what Abraham is saying, that physical, our physical experience um, is something that is the result of our prior thought. And that... It is not, how shall I say, Um, and, and that it's the leading edge. And what they mean by the leading edge is that where we are now physically is the result of what we've thought about, what we've experienced, and how that made us feel over the last umpteen years that we've been alive, that it's all led to where we are right here, right now, in this physical world, in this physical reality. And that it's we're not like somewhere way back where in the in the past. We are right here, right now, as a result of all those things we've experienced, we've felt, we've thought about, we've decided in the direction that we've put ourselves in. So it's not that uh, we are somewhere at the beginning. It's not that we are you know just getting started. No, we are all the way in front, uh, all the way there at the leading edge. So, um, a lot about feelings and thoughts today, which uh wonderful quotes from the universe and from Abraham. I hope you enjoyed these quotes today. I, I kind of like them. Um, and I'm going to move on because I'm really, really super excited about my guest today because this guest he holds the honor and distinction over my nearly 10 years of doing the show of knowing me the longest and uh it is my pleasure to welcome uh, to the show author and science buff, Roman Godzich. Roman is an internet industry veteran. He began designing e-commerce solutions on the French Minitel system back in the 1980s. He's designed search engines, booking processes, affiliate programs, and ad networks. Throughout his career, he has been responsible for over $1 billion in online sales. So he kind of knows what he's doing. Currently, his responsibilities uh, include content creation and management, user experience and e-commerce optimization for an online travel group. Roman is a polyglot who, in his spare time, writes fiction and catches fish. And he is a six-time NaNoWriMo uh, winner. That's a tongue twister. Winner and author of the Amazon science fiction bestseller, No Higher Ground, a wonderful novel that we're going to talk all about. And uh, uh, just so you guys know, the reason why Roman has known me for so long is because his younger brother, uh, Dan, was like my best friend in high school, and, and Roman actually even went to the same high school that I did. So uh, I, I can honestly say, Roman, not only are you the guest on my show who has like known me the longest, I, I, I think other than... Like your brother, who I, I talk to every now and then, like you're one of the few people who I can say in my life today who, who I still know from back then. Because other than maybe going to high school reunions, I have like nobody who I talk to or see on a day to day basis who have known for that long. So it's a real pleasure to reconnect with you.
1: It's a pleasure to be here, Sam. Um, yeah. And it's a pleasure to, to reconnect with you as well. Um, that's kind of surprising that other people aren't in touch with you. You're such a great guy.
0: Ah, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I just, uh, life, I, I kind of lost touch with a bunch of people during college, uh, from high school, like after college. I did reconnect with some people at, uh, I think, when I went back to the 20-year high school reunion, I uh, reconnected with people. But it's just kind of a little bit here, a little bit there, but not not so much. So, um uh, I want to like move things along. We're going to have our first break in a couple of minutes. Um, But you've been in, like myself, you've kind of grown up with the sort of computer revolution that we've seen since the seventies, eighties and nineties of, of things going from just working on these dumb terminals connected to these massive mainframes, to mini computers and and smaller computers and, and and workstations that we worked on till then, eventually, uh, personal computers got born, and and which then spurred on uh, at sort of at this, in conjunction with that around the same time, uh, the internet, which came out of the military, and then the World Wide web, and 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 really. Uh, the world that we have today it it's so so different than it was when we were kids isn't it
1: it certainly is different the first programs i wrote were in Epsodic assembler on punch cards
0: oh my god <laughs> and, and i and i
1: realized back then uh why every time you saw a deck of punch card there was an angled magic marker stripe across it because if you dropped the deck that was the fastest way to put it back together in sequence
0: oh okay <laughs> <laughs> so they they
1: were called hollerith cards and actually yes they were they go back to 18 the 1880 census is what they were originally used for so um, oh. that kind of methodology is really antique wow and the, the reason for the size of them is that they were used um, in dollar counting machines at the time so they were the same size as what the dollar was in the 1880s
0: ah ah interesting fascinating yeah i um <laughs> although i was exposed to punch cards um, because I, I I went to an engineering school for one year, I um and and I got a terminal account, so uh, I, I was working on terminals, and then I transferred to to lehman college uh, to, to one of the cuny schools where everyone was like doing punch cards but i like went up to the professor when i was taking my my computer science classes and i was like you know at my last school I, I had a terminal account is it possible for me to get a terminal account so i don't have to do the punch cards and he was like yeah sure so i like just managed to like skate by without having to do the punch cards but you, but-
1: you were you were lucky back then uh you write your program and submit it and wait 24 hours for yep. a printed result.
0: Yes. Yes. I remember those bins and those giant uh, green and white uh, pieces of paper that were like humongous. And they, they were like the size of, sure. of, of, of two eight and a half by 11s and, 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 and wait for all the, the ASCII character printouts. Anyway. Um,
1: yeah. And it has really moved along, not just to what we have in cell phones today, but in all of the devices. Um, yesterday I was reading an article About a hand, of a an artificial hand that would rival what we saw in Luke Skywalker's days.
0: Oh, (laughs) really? Oh, wow!
1: And it is controlled entirely by thought.
0: Ah, ah! They actually found a way to connect it to neurons, so like our thought impulses. Wow! I saw something about a glove that would take sign language and interpret it into language, but I hadn't heard about a prosthetic hand that that could totally be controlled by thought. That's amazing. Um, so uh, you're like me, you're, you're a child of the, the original star Trek generation in a way, um, where, where, uh, sort of science fiction, just b- between 2001 space odyssey, star Trek, the original star Wars, y- you know, there was this sort of, uh, birth of this, um, um, science fiction imagination in the culture um, is that what got you so interested in science fiction?
1: I, I think the first science fiction book I read, I found in my public school library at the age of eight. Oh, wow. Podcane of Mars by Robert Heinlein. Ah, oh, I love about, Heinlein. About a young girl who has a Martian pet. Ah.
0: Oh. Uh,
1: and, and I just just was taken by that immediately. Mm. And started to devour science fiction even at a very, very early age and and continue to do so. Mm. Uh, It it makes up the bulk of what I read uh, for a number of different reasons. Um, One is um, that uh, I think the quote, and I don't recall who said it first, is that the difference between reality and fiction is that fiction has to make sense. <laughs> and, and in this day and age that's even truer than ever
0: oh absolutely <laughs> absolutely that's so funny yeah I, I think i found my first science fiction book in my local public library it wasn't the school library it was public library i think it was one of isaac asimov's book or one of ray bradbury's books
1: Both wonderful places to begin.
0: Yeah, wonderful. And it's like I really wasn't that interested in reading until I found that. I was was probably a little bit older. I think I was probably in junior high school, so maybe like 11, 12, something like that. But yeah, then I started devouring all kinds of science fiction. Okay, so uh, we're going to get to your science fiction, No Higher Ground. After we come back from this break, Uh, I want to ask you just a little bit of of what the inspiration for this book was and, and what got you to decide... To write uh, a science fiction book after all these years, okay, Roman? Okay, awesome. So, everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour: Awakening Humanity. We're talking with author Roman Godzich today, and we will be right back after these messages. And welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon Eastern to 1 p.m. right here on talkradio.nyc and on Facebook Live and all over the place. So you just got to look for the Conscious Consultant Hour. Okay. So, Roman, uh, I mean, you're a very successful internet, uh, (laughs) I don't know, engineer or or I don't even know how I would describe you. Um, this book, uh, No Higher Ground, uh, is this your first science fiction novel that you've published?
1: It is the first published novel. Yes. Ah, I've so several what I call trunk novels, which are either abandoned or in the works, but that's part ah, of the process.
0: Ah, okay. So, so what got you to decide to actually publish this one and and, and you know create a novel and put it out there?
1: So, um, a- as you mentioned earlier, I'm a Nano winner. I've been participating in NanoRiMo for about 10 years. And, and for those who don't know, it stands for National Novel Writing Month. Mm-hmm. And it's a uh, kind of a competition, but it's really a competition against yourself. Ah. During the month of November, you attempt to write 50,000 words of new fiction. Oh, wow. Uh, um, and being a winner means that you've done it.
0: Ah. Uh, <laughs>
1: in terms of that. Gotcha. Um, during the... The process of learning about NaNoWriMo from a number of podcasts and looking through the site, I discovered a group of writers in my county in Connecticut where where I live in Fairfield County mm-hmm. who had formed a Fairfield County Writers Group where writers support each other through the often lonely and painful process of writing. Yeah. Um, it's, it's something that you do on your own so it's not really a collective uh, event but speaking to other writers you get a lot of tips and ideas mm-hmm. and, and things like that and that helped me put um the plotting of the book together getting advice from other writers and once uh. i realized that i had had a uh, a first manuscript of this one that i thought was publishable mm-hmm. i went out and reached out to publishers and agents but if you're it's kind of a catch 22 system if you're unknown yeah. you don't get known <laughs> um and so i uh, i got frustrated and said I was going to self-publish, which a lot of people do. Yep. Um, you generally don't get much of a reach if you self-publish with a first book. Right. Um, and when I let that be known to some of my friends and followers on Facebook, uh, a few days later, a publisher reached out to me and said, before you do that, can I read the manuscript?
0: Oh, wow. And
1: she did. And uh, she said, we'd like to publish it.
0: Oh, wonderful, wonderful.
1: And and several months later, the rest is history.
0: Oh, Uh, wow. One of
1: the great parts of that is you get, with a publisher, you get an editor, and that vastly improves the book.
0: Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Um, So what was the, was there, I got that like there was some inspiration from other writers and other things around, but was there some, um, like what was it that gave you sort of the kernel of the idea uh, for the book?
1: Um. The basic idea, the basic theme of the book is just how stupid war is.
0: <laughs> I, and, love it. I love and it. And
1: I and I actually use a quote from Ronald Reagan in the book that
0: oh, he really?
1: said at the United Nations. Uh-huh. And what he said was if aliens suddenly showed up, I wonder how many of us would still be at war with each other.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, yes.
1: and so this is kind of the notion of during a war between the U.S. and China, we discover the existence of extraterrestrial intelligence.
0: Ah, okay. So so, um, uh, so the idea is that like this takes place sometime in the future, and uh, the U.S. and China are kind of at war, uh, probably over resources or something, and then uh, there's this discovery made of that there's some kind of... Uh, artificial intelligence on the moon, right?
1: Correct. On the far side of the moon at a uh a Chinese lunar mining base. Uh. Oddly enough, since the book has come out, the Chinese have landed on the far side of the moon.
0: Ah, when did the book come out?
1: The book came out in November 2017.
0: Ah, okay. Okay, so it was 3 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they have. Um what uh, got you to make China to have such a prominent role in the novel? Was it was it just kind of looking at how China has been developing, or
1: in, in addition to being a polyglot and having lived on almost every continent and worked on almost every continent in the on the planet, uh, I have always been fascinated by Chinese culture. I'm fascinated uh. also by one of my heroes is Genghis Khan, uh. Uh, and I have been <laughs> fascinated by the fact that. In China, they can pick up a document that's 5,000 years old and read it, mm. which most cultures can't.
0: Right. Uh, there
1: is a, an entrepreneurial culture, despite all of the politics in there. Yeah. And I think that the, uh, the way that they're able to marshal resources in one mm. direction at this time,
0: yeah.
1: uh, whether good or bad, right. um, is very powerful.
0: Yeah.
1: And in this, in this future novel, China has become the economic powerhouse of the planet. Hmm. But the U.S. remains the military powerhouse, at least at the beginning of the book.
0: Ah, uh, uh, okay, there,
1: there's a lot of politics and intrigue in it, as much as there is science fiction.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha, and and so I mean, of course, I don't want to give away the whole book, but because um, you really have to go and get it, it's on Amazon, it's all over the, in all bookstores and stuff. Um, the the alien intelligence that they find, or when we discover in the book that that there are aliens out there, are they friendly or not so friendly?
1: Um, they are at war.
0: They are, at they war? are at the
1: war themselves, and oh. this, this, this intelligence is there to protect the Earth, but not the Earth as it is today, the Earth as it was. I won't say anything more. Ah,
0: okay. All right, cool. Very intriguing. Um, uh, and given that, uh, I get it, it's set in the future. Uh, besides the fact that it's set in the future, what aspects of this book would you consider science fiction essence Uh,
1: there are a lot of different things and i talk about the evolution of technology for example people are riding around in in self-driving cars and and my main character finds himself in a car that's actually being driven by a human
0: um, Uh, which
1: at that time in the future is an extraordinary luxury uh, Um, so i i kind of think of the way cars have evolved the way horses had used to be only wealthy people had horses, horses and right, everybody right. had horses and now only wealthy people have
0: horses right so i'm thinking the
1: same way with self-driving cars used to be that right. you know only wealthy people had self-driving cars and then everybody will have self-driving uh, will have cars and then eventually only the wealthy will of cars that they drive themselves because everybody else will be using Self-driving Driving cars. cars. In fact, people probably won't own cars anymore. They'll lease them. Yeah, or they'll lease a ride is what it is.
0: Right, the ride share. The <laughs> whole the whole idea. More else. Sharing. And, and
1: I know a lot of people said to me that the adoption of self-driving cars will take a very very long time. Um, I don't believe so because one of the first jobs I had when I was in high school, a summer job, mm-hmm. was running an elevator in a factory, which was a hand managed uh-huh. elevator. Yeah. And uh, I I realized that when Mr. Otis first put out the first elevators that ran themselves with a push button, Mm -hmm. in fact, the systems that ran those elevators were the backbone of what created ENIAC, one of the first computers. Mm -hmm. Um, People didn't want to get into them because they didn't trust elevators without an elevator operator.
0: <laughs> wow. And
1: now we think that's ridiculous. Right. We will think the same right. thing about self driving cars
0: in the future. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I think, again, it, it's all about safety. Like, once people feel safe enough, Uh, that indeed even self-driving cars are safer (laughs) than human-driven cars. And and they will be. And they will be.
1: Statistically, they will be. And they will create new opportunities. I mean, it's lovely to have a car that goes and does its oil change by itself. (laughs) You can go pick up the uh, groceries that you purchased online. Um, One of the things to think about is it's going to change fundamentally the way we move around and the way we think of space Mm. and the way we think of where we're living and how we're living. It may change cities. It may change suburbs um, elevators dramatically change the landscape without elevators there would be right. no skyscrapers
0: no skyscrap- right absolutely. absolutely i know so
1: so that's just a comparison and i mentioned things like that in the book across a, a bunch of different technology innovations
0: right right so yeah so i mean you've seen and we've seen together a lot of technological innovations f- from the time we were kids till now and, and today though i hear also a lot of sort of criticism in a way of technology. I think it's more in a way just a criticism of how we use technology. Like, you know, these smartphones are such great devices and everything, except, you know, you go to a restaurant now and you see people just looking on their smartphones instead of talking to each other. You know, people. You know, computers help to connect us across the globe, yet people feel more disconnected to their community than ever before. Uh, do you feel that like is
1: it's t- just the same argument when Alexander Graham Bell came up with the telephone oh, yeah? why would I ever talk to my neighbor again if I can talk to him through a wire
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I love these right.
1: memes that you get on social media where you see people sitting on a commuter train all looking at their phones and then it shows you a picture 50 years ago of people sitting on a commuter train all just reading their newspaper
0: right Right. So, so people are people. It's not about the technology.
1: Right. L- Luddite emotions will always be out there.
0: Mm, mm. Do you feel that, uh, that technology, that this is something I, I hear a lot, that technology is developing faster than our maturity to handle it?
1: Um, that's a very common theme in science fiction, and I do touch on that theme to some extent. Mm. Um yes and no the the question is how are we judging our maturity and yeah. we can judge our maturity in terms of things like morality and ethics right but what we tend to forget is that both morality and ethics are subject to fashion
0: mm, and if you yeah. study
1: history they change over time
0: right right yeah what what's
1: so ex- we're hoping that we're evolving in a good direction right but that's based on what we think a good direction is. Right,
0: exactly. It's all subjective in that what's acceptable and okay today, uh, you know, may not have been acceptable and okay, you know, 100, 200, 500 years ago, and things that were acceptable 500 years ago are not acceptable today.
1: A hundred years ago, showing a little ankle freaked people out. Right. <laughs>
0: you know, and, and you know, three, four hundred years ago, owning a slave was perfectly fine, which now it's not.
1: So, Absolutely. So, yeah. things. So I, I think that science fiction is fundamental, though, in and it's it's happening at a faster and faster pace because more and more people are accessing science fiction. Right. Right. whether it's television or movies, we're living in a golden age of content. When you think of yeah. everything that's out there on your streaming video uh, channels and networks, it's just absolutely amazing. Not just the quantity, but the quality of the quality. content. is right. it's phenomenal. Right. Um, both in writing and acting and production values and, and all of these things. And so I, I feel that that access to science fiction is accelerating dramatically. Yeah. And I have this theory about, um, what science fiction is to humanity.
0: Okay, I want you to hold that thought so that we're going to take a quick break so everyone's going to have to stay tuned so that we'll hear that theory when we come back from this break. See? I, see, I got to learn how to like keep people on the edge of their seats. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> All right, Roman. So hold on there. Everybody please stay tuned, you're listening to The Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity and we will be right back after these messages. And welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're speaking this hour with uh, author Roman Godzich, author of the book No Higher Ground. Um, Before we get back to the conversation, Roman, I did want to mention to all of my loyal listeners out there that um, I have... Finally launched my the registration for my training program called Podcast Your Passion, all about uh, uh, learning how to do great podcasts. It's a four week course. It's a four one hour Zoom sessions starting on March sixteenth. Uh, uh, you can sign up for it on Eventbrite, and uh, if you go to PodcastYourPassion.us. Uh, it 'll take you to the uh, web page where I talk about you know all the stuff in it and there 's a link in there for you to go and register on eventbrite and and uh, I forget exactly I think it 's podcast your passion 032020.eventbrite.com com um, so please uh, if you all would do a favor and uh, take a look at it, share it on social media, let people know about it. Um, this is just a sort of the first Uh, course. And I'm going to be doing a more in-depth one later on. I'll probably rerun this one a couple of times. Um, But I'm looking to sort of build up the training side of the business. Uh, So Talking Alternative Broadcasting is giving birth to Talking Alternative Institute. So hopefully we'll get that going. So Roman, you had a theory about well what's...
1: first of all, that sounds like a great course, and there oh. are so many writers that are looking to podcast and they do it so badly. Yes, <laughs> that it sounds like a great idea, and I'm going to look into that myself
0: ah awesome um, if if uh, Roman, if you want to sit in on the class, you let me know i will i'll I'll be I'll, I'll more than happy to comp you in
1: Wow, okay, talk me into it yeah uh, all right, awesome,
0: <laughs> awesome. However, you have to give me feedback. We have to have like a feedback session afterwards absolutely give me absolutely
1: some... sounds great awesome okay. okay, so um this theory of science fiction um for a long time i've really been interested in, in dreams mm. not so much in interpretation of dreams okay. but uh i uh when it comes to the human mind i tend to look at it from the neuroscience perspective rather than right. from the psychology black box perspective gotcha uh and uh when it comes to to dreams i wondered why my dog dreams why does my cat dream what mm. do they dream about Uh, themselves what's the meaning of their dreams and about 15 years ago I came across this um, this work and I wish I had documented it and and you have to choose are you absorbing information or you're documenting what you're absorbing and Mm. and I wish I had kept a copy of where I I read this Um, but the person uh, posed the idea that what's happening when you are dreaming Is that your brain is creating neuron pathways, chemical and electrical pathways,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, in preparation for things that may happen. So that when those things do happen, your brain can respond quicker because it's using existing pathways rather than using the energy to create the pathways. Ah, interesting. And doing this is such hard work that the rest of your body has to be immobile while you're doing this.
0: Hmm. Wow, and
1: and so that's it's a fascinating notion in terms of why we dream, ah. uh, and it kind of makes sense in a lot of ways right, in terms right. of that. In fact, um, when you see optical illusions, often it's because your brain is looking at the existing pathway rather than looking at what is really there. Right, right. In terms of that, right. so interesting that interesting. led me to think that if we think of society as a thinking being. Mm-hmm. science fiction is doing that for society ah. it's creating pathways that lead us to be able to respond quicker to new technologies
0: right. that
1: make us ready for when aliens show up to respond to that right. when and if we don't know if it's it's right. the distances are daunting but you never know what other technologies may come about so, so
0: uh, let me ask you, just, uh, just curiosity, just for a quick second, a little tangent, because I've seen so many people like on the Disclosure Project and, you know, even government officials saying like, yes, there are <laughs> alien races and we're in contact, uh, you know, Ancient Aliens, the show, it's like so popular. Um, do you believe that, that aliens have contacted humanity or have been on the earth already? Or, or do you think it's all just, uh, you know, a smokescreen?
1: I believe it's a wonderful way for a lot of people to make money. Uh, <laughs> is what I think it is. Okay, um, you know, if if you if you realize the distances involved, right. our our current technologies are so far distant that to get to the closest star from the Earth currently, at the highest speed that humanity has ever achieved, would take roughly 400 years. Wow. OK, right,
0: right. so
1: now you're talking things like generationships. Right. That being said, with harmonious quarks, we're looking at things like ansibles, which Robert Heinlein originally posited, which is instantaneous communications by having two different objects halfway across the universe move simultaneously mm-hmm. or, or uh, harmonize. So that if you vibrate one, the other vibrates. Right. Uh, and I use that in my novel mm-hmm. in terms of that. There are obviously, you know, in science fiction, you have notions of warm holes and faster than light travel. And there is a professor of of physics out of, I believe, Mexico City, who has come up with something that looks like a viable faster than light drive, at least mathematically, and fits into the Einsteinian universe.
0: Okay, Um,
1: We don't know how to build it but we right. understand the math for it. And essentially what it does is that you don't really move faster than light, but you sh- shrink space in front of you and you expand it behind you.
0: So oh, you move in terms of
1: relative to space rather than moving through space.
0: Oh, so interesting. It's a very
1: interesting idea. Uh, and mathematically it works. So yeah, we is, may eventually get there. Isn't
0: it, that kind of like the, what... Uh, Uh, Frank Herbert uh, described in Dune sort of folding space, space. yeah, interesting,
1: kind of of that, that kind of notion, but the notion of the fact that if there are intelligence out there, the sophistication of their technology, although, as you mentioned earlier, in terms of maturity, technological sophistication and emotional sophistication are not the same thing, right? there is no reason that just because they are very, very sophisticated technology that they're not beasts like Larry Niven's Sinti's are (laughs) uh, in terms of that. And they're just using that technology. However, the fact that they would come here to look inside of the rectum of a cow uh, just escapes me. <laughs> you know, and, and when, yeah. I, when I hear about them, you know, aliens built the pyramids. I think humans are so afraid of hard work that they'd rather think aliens did that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I know. I know. Have you ever read uh, Zachariah Stitchin's work, The Twelfth uh, Planet? About, no, I'm not familiar with it. So it's fascinating work about how in ancient the ancient Sumerian myths, and and if you and he was like an expert, an expert in in, in ancient Sumerian, um, how the mythology, if you look at it, it, it only makes sense if like these were actual that the gods they talk about were like actual aliens right. coming down, and I,
1: I have I have read stories of that. They didn't recognize his name. The Sumerians were very, very interesting in that their mathematics was on a base 60. In fact, we, and 60 is a really wonderful number because you can divide it by one, by two, by three, by four, by five, and by six Mm. and get whole fractions that way. Hmm. So this, the base 60 and this, we've still inherited from them. This is why we have 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour, 360 degrees in a circle. Those are all coming from a basic view of the universe.
0: Oh, wow. I didn't realize that they came from Samaria.
1: Oh, cool. Yeah. cool. So that's, that's very, very interesting in terms yeah. of that. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, I think that that whole notion of the, I can't remember what the name of it, the Anakazi or something like that. The Anunnaki, yeah. Anunnaki, yes. So. I think that notion is a fascinating one. It's a wonderful storytelling device. We've mm-hmm. heard the same thing with, you know, uh, Egyptian gods as being aliens, also right, in right. the same way, and it's wonderful ways to tell stories. But essentially, even when we write about aliens in science fiction, we're really writing about humanity.
0: Right? Yeah, absolutely. I have yet to see a, a real science fiction movie or, or novel where the 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 the, the Character makeup of the alien was truly alien. They almost always seem to be some aspect of a human psychology or human being. You have some like
1: uh, you know you have movies where they uh, they talk about you know time traveling aliens who think of things differently. The Blob was one where the alien is very different. Yeah, yeah. uh, In terms of that, so you have those but almost always their motivations come back to motivations that we as naked apes can recognize.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. Part of it is because, you know, we're, I like to say numbrillic. We like to look at our own belly button. (laughs) We're fascinated by ourselves.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, we are fascinating creatures, aren't we? I mean, you know, we're, we're so unique among the animal kingdom. There's no other, creature I, I, that... i've
1: always said that i prefer the story of us being uplifted apes to the story of being fallen angels
0: ah. i find it
1: much more interesting
0: ah so, so so you like the whole idea of the the monolith in 2001 and the oh, apes yeah. touching the monolith or, and that's what caused humanity or, or
1: maybe the nature of the universe is just yeah. to continue to evolve uh neil degrasse tyson who also went to our high school yes uh in in one of his most recent books which i really recommend as an audio book and that is Astrophysics for Busy People,
0: Oh, okay.
1: um, is a wonderful book, especially he's got a great voice for telling it. Yeah. Towards the end of it, and I hope I don't ruin it for people, he comes to kind of a conclusion that humanity is the universe looking at itself, hmm. which is, I, th- I think, a very pretty way of looking at
0: it. Yeah, which is also in some ways what like mystics have been saying for thousands of years. That consciousness is all about the universe being, becoming self-realized, like looking at itself. Mm-hmm. So That's so, one way of saying it, yep. Yeah. So it, it's funny. All right. Um, please, I can't believe it's time to take our last break. Okay. So um, when we come back, I want to talk about the future a little bit and, and what you see from you know, your perspective and your years of working with technology about where we're going from here, Okay. Okay So uh, also a quick shout out To my loyal listeners uh, Patty Glad you were able to hop on The Facebook live today And uh, Sanaya Oh thank you She said she's loving the conversation Can't wait to read the book So see I sold one book for you Roman (laughs) (laughs) Great (laughs) right. so everybody please Stay tuned You're listening to The Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity We're speaking with Roman Godzich Author of the book No Higher Ground And we will be right back After these messages welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity. We do this live every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern right here on talkradio.nyc and on Facebook Live. And uh, yes, please, if you've not signed up for our newsletter, please go to talkradio.nyc and sign up for our new newsletter. Um, uh, So Roman, uh, you have a, a pretty long stretch of Being able to see sort of, like myself, big changes in society and in technology um, and just uh, the things, I mean, today that are happening, we, we, you know, some things haven't happened. Like I remember as a kid, I thought for sure by the year 2000, we'd have a base on the moon. We'd have, you know, more than just the International Space Station floating around that we expected in some ways a lot more. And then in other ways, there are things that have developed that we didn't think of, like smartphones and stuff where do you see things going from here um do you see like artificial intelligence taking over do you see technology developing more rapidly or is it going to take longer to adopt certain things
1: um there's so much more to see it's 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 dangerous to be a visionary and it's (laughs) facile Uh, uh, when i was a kid i thought i would have a rosie the robot like the jetsons oh yes All I got was a Roomba. Roomba. Uh, (laughs) um, So there are a couple of different areas, and there's a lot of different areas where I think we will see convergence.
0: Ah, But we're also
1: we're seeing a lot of different areas that are changing. So one of those is in biology and biochemistry. Yeah, we are seeing dramatic, dramatic changes in genetic engineering. Yeah, Uh, we we saw the uh, the doctor who performed a genetic changes on unborn girls, mm. um, even though it was illegal. I think he's in prison for that now. Uh, but I don't think that laws will be able to stop this, frankly, because mm. the access to CRISPR and tools like that are happening very quickly. And True. we are going to see genetic modification, both for good and bad. Mm. We will see perhaps the eradication of many hereditary diseases. They are now testing CRISPR for a version of hereditary blindness. Oh wow! That would be wonderful. Uh, in terms of that, but mm-hmm. it also, you know, you have the, the question, are we going to develop super soldiers? Are we going right. to develop
0: a new class know. of human beings like in um, Gattaca? Yes, where an Aryan race, an a, right?
1: Uh, uh, yeah, there, there are so many different issues that way. And then there is adaptive technologies. We right. are adapting technology to humans. Right. Um, it may sound shocking to some of your listeners, but I have been wearing contact lenses for 50 years.
0: Wow. that long. Yeah.
1: And it seems like a relatively new technology, but it's not. Right. Yeah. In terms of that. And we are going to see other technologies, augmentive technologies. Right. The contact lenses I'm wearing today help me because I'm horribly nearsighted and farsighted. They're actually bifocal contacts. Oh, wow. Um, soon enough, we may get contact lenses or other ocular implants right. that will allow us to see in the infrared and in the ultraviolet. Uh. So trout and lobsters and some birds see in the ultraviolet, but we cannot. Right. There's a whole spectrum of the universe and many spectrums that we just don't even interface with at this point.
0: Right, right. Yeah, there are many different kinds of animals that hear a wider range than we do, see a wider range than we do. And
1: And what will it do to humanity if I can now see heat textures on a person's face as they're Mm. speaking? And how do I interpret that? And how does that change communications? Mm. There's a a, a gel, I think it was a gel that's just come out that actually will hide you from infrared. Oh, uh, so that's an interesting thing, too. We are going to see in the next 20 years uh, a dramatic amount of changes. Right. And then, then is the wonderful notion uh, of people who are working on the idea of, although I personally don't think that thinking about the human brain as a machine is a viable construct. Maybe yeah. it's a quantum machine. Yeah. Um, but people are thinking about how can we upload a personality to a digital experience? Right, right. And, and you could live forever in this digital experience as long as you pay the electricity bill. <laughs> uh. <laughs> what,
0: what about um, uh, uh, the notion in, in Robert Heinlein's Time Enough for Love? And, and I actually saw a, a, an MD wrote a book back in the 80s or 90s that had this notion of sort of the convergence of nanotechnology, medical technology that eventually will be able to, um, uh, uh, eliminate this idea of death from old age by just being able to replace our blood, replace our organs. Uh, you know, yeah,
1: so, so immortality as a way of fighting entropy has always yeah. been a human dream. Yeah. Um, replacing your organs there's there's that wonderful thing if you have a boat and you take 10 percent of its part every year and replace it with new parts Mm -hmm. at the end of 10 years is that the same boat right and if you took the old parts after those 10 years and rebuilt that boat was that the same boat as the previous one so if you're doing that to a human first of all humans change constantly your body is constantly changing yeah not only is it changing pretty much your cellular network is replenished every seven years, depending on whether it's, you know, ossature or musculature or your venal system or your nerve system. Uh, And they do it different times. The other thing is there are more bacteria in your body than there are human cells.
0: Oh, right. Yes.
1: By sheer number. Yes. So we are already a community environment. Right. Adding things to this community, such as nanobots. Right. Adding other chemical changes would just similarly, just, alter the human condition so perhaps it could extend life but are you still human
0: right or are you still the same person
1: probably not
0: right it would
1: certainly alter your outlook time alters your outlook are you the same person you were in high school
0: definitely not (laughs) there
1: you go (laughs) so there's that time alters your outlook we change with time um one of the the realities and looking at this as human society is we have a terrible term in English, which we call human beings.
0: Yeah. <laughs> which
1: is, we should really call it human becomings.
0: Uh.
1: Because we're constantly being modified and changed, and is society and right. in many different directions. Right. Um, linear thinking in terms of what's going on in the future is a challenge. Yes. Um, the one thing that you can experience and that we do experience, it's part of our nature, is. <sighs> whether we look at the past or we look at the future, they both look pretty much infinite in all directions. Mm. And we're always in the middle at this moment. So we're mm. like forever zero on the number line mm. as ourselves, right. except that it's not a line. Time is more like a sphere. right? Right. And, and we're always in the center of our time sphere. Right. It's kind of the way that I like to look at it.
0: Right. So, so if you were to put on your, uh, 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 historian and, and, and sort of predictive glasses. Um, are you more optimistic, pessimistic, or neutral about the future? Do you think things are getting better for people in general, getting worse or kind of just staying the same, just being more of what it is?
1: I am very, very much an optimist ah. in, in a, in a lot of ways. And, and part of the reasons is if you look at history Mankind, even though we have better and better tools at it, mm-hmm. we are doing a worse and worse job of wiping out a percentage of ourselves. Mm. Um, in the 20th century, in the early 20th century, up and through, through the middle of the 20th century, we were doing a phenomenal job of killing humans right. as a percentage of the population. Right. Since the onset of the Cold War, that has dropped off dramatically. Right. By dramatically, it's 1% of what it used to be. Wow. And that leaves me hopeful. I think we're starting to manage wars better. We're not as ferocious as we once were. Right. Now, if you read uh, the great Larry Niven,
0: Mm -hmm. he
1: has in many of his novels the notion that when humans meet other species and those species are still warlike and humans no longer are, this becomes a great defect for humans. Hmm. Interesting. That's an interesting notion there, too. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I tend to think of humans as being very, very warlike, and, and right. we are probably the ones in the universe who are really out there. I mean, uh, I like to say that the, the the future of humanity is to explore the galaxy, discover new and interesting life forms, and eat them. and eat them because that's what we do. <laughs> do What's the it. first right. thing a baby does when you hand it something?
0: Yeah, it puts it in its mouth. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what we are. <laughs> so, so if an alien came down tomorrow and came to your, your house and introduced itself, what would you say or ask the alien?
1: I would be fascinated that it felt that it requires an introduction to begin with. <laughs> uh, uh, what would I say to the alien? Yeah. I want to learn. I want to learn as much as possible. Mm. Uh, I, I think that the, uh, the highest blossoming of human existence is to be learning. Mm. And to constantly be learning. Mm. Uh, and so, if we encounter intelligence other than our own, mm-hmm. there's so much to learn just in terms of their experience of the world. Now, right. Forget technology, forget. All the rest, what's their experience of the world? Do they mm. see things the same way? Do they see things dramatically different? Right, what right. do they see the same way? That's fascinating.
0: Right. How do they conceptualize what they right. see? Yeah. Do they
1: even use numbers? There's always the question did oh. humanity invent mathematics or did we discover it?
0: Ah, yes.
1: Yes. So, so there are all of these different ways of looking at it. The, the important thing is to be constantly curious. Yes.
0: Yes. I agree. Remembering the
1: caveat yes
0: well Roman thank you so so much it's been such a pleasure having you on my show today
1: I've enjoyed this and would love to do it again
0: yes absolutely well uh you you're are you working on other novels Do you have anything in the works that'll be coming out in the future
1: I am working on a sequel to No Higher Ground. Ah, awesome. That that involves uh, the exploration of uh, artificial intelligence between extraterrestrials and human artificial intelligence. Mm. And the working title is The Artificial Soul, hoping to come oh. out this year.
0: Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Well, I tell you what, you let me know when that launches and we'll have you back on to talk about the new novel when you come out. That'd be great. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. And if people want to find you, uh, you know, follow you, learn more about you, stu- where can they go?
1: It's easy to find me because my name, Roman Godzich, is not common. Yes. <laughs> uh, so you can take a look. I have an author page on Facebook where I post a lot of links to articles that make yes. me think, mm-hmm. and where I share a lot of uh, ideas and notions that make me think and that influence my writing. Or you can follow me on Twitter where I'm at Roman G-R-O-M-A-N-G.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: where I like to say the reason I write is because I daydream while I'm awake.
0: <laughs> what better time is there? All right. Well, thank you so much. We've been speaking this hour with Roman Godzich, author of the book No Higher Ground, which is available on Amazon and in bookstores all over the place. Uh, thank you, Roman. You have a great rest of your day. And thank you, my loyal listeners, for tuning in. Did you like the show? Did you enjoy it? Please share the show. If you're listening on podcast, share the podcast. If you're listening to the video, share the video. Don't keep us the best-kept secret in New York City. Spread the word and help others to to enjoy the show as well. So thank you all for tuning in. Stay tuned. Next up on talkradio.nyc is Voices of Courage with Ken Foster. And tomorrow, of course, we have Jeremiah Fox and Tony Martinetti with their shows, The Entrepreneur. Web and Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Thank you all for tuning in. We will talk to you next week.